Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people in their 30s are on their quest to find love. My name is Kyle Marshall. I'm here with Jen Sanford. And I think we should probably make this clear right from the get-go that we're not all all right. The kids are not all right here this week. Jen, maybe you should uh, elucidate. Yeah, I'm not okay. (laughs) Welcome to Friday night. Welcome to Friday night. And I am not okay. You can even hear it in the sound of my voice that I am not okay. You know, my friend Scott Townend, who now is a is a CBC producer, if you watch the show Run the Burbs with Andrew Fung, you know his work. Name drop. Yeah, absolutely. He used to always say to me, don't say fine if you're not fine. That was always a big thing that he used to say to me, don't say fine if you're not fine. And I would just like to say tonight, Kyle, I am not fine. I'm not fine. I'm not fine at all. So how much do you want to decompress this? Where do we want to start? Oh, yeah. Like I just, um, you know, I just have this feeling like I kind of fell out of a tree and hit every branch on the way down. Mm. And I feel like I have a moment where I'm like lying on the ground, like trying to assess how many bones I've broken. But then I also have a bigger sense that maybe I'm still free falling. You, You get into that moment of like you've been falling for so long. You don't understand the sensation anymore. You're just yeah. like a leaf on the wind. Yeah. I remember going bungee jumping once. I was screaming on the way down. And then I like ran out of air screaming and had to take a deep breath and then like scream some more. And I feel like maybe that's um, that's why my voice is the way it is, is because I just feel mm. like I'm silently screaming um, as I try to figure out how far the bottom is. Kyle, I lost my job after being told I was good at my job every day like every day and I was so beloved and I had the best boss and so that was like completely out of the blue like you walk in one day and it's like oh we're done yeah no they phoned me because in the world of work Mm. from home he he said it was such glee actually it wasn't even him that said it it was some other dude and he was like you know it just you could just see the veneer was like it's with absolute pleasure to announce that you don't work here anymore and I know that through every job experience there's an opportunity to learn a lesson and I just don't know what the lesson is because all I did was everything they told me to do and all I did was try to move that organization and a vision forward uh, in a way that they had asked me to help them to move it. And everything I touched turned to gold. And then you just like, bye. And of course, I signed mm-hmm. the dumbest, the dumbest employment agreement that basically had this one little clause in the back, which you never read because you've never been fired from a job that basically says, if we decide at any time to get rid of you, uh, your compensation is to go fuck yourself. So that's been fun. And then, of course, you know, I pride myself on being someone who's just in control. And I find myself just totally out of control. And I just, it's sad that I lost my job for sure. It's more sad that three weeks prior, I had said coming home from Italy, two things. Like if you go back to that episode, I would like to punch that person in the face because three weeks ago in that episode, I said two things. One, I want to go harder with my career and really show what I can do. So the universe was like, fuck you for that. And then the other thing was, is that I'm really going to lean in with Jesus. My partner who looks like Jesus because we don't reveal his name, um, who I have, I have been with long enough to now refer to the name partner, even though I did spend 42 glorious weeks referring to him as the person I'm going on dates with. But you know, then you, you lean into him in a way to be vulnerable and he just wasn't there. He just wasn't there for Mm. me. And I felt like, 
It just felt familiar. That's the only word I can think. And this is why it felt familiar, Kyle. And I promise you, I'm going to get through this in a way that makes sense. Three years ago, my grandma died. And my grandma was like this enigmatic force. I just wanted to be like her. And she died such an undignified death. And then right afterward, her husband, my grandfather, died. And he died a worse death because at the end, he was basically like, you're a disappointment. You didn't make it. I'm going to die. And you didn't really materialize to be anything important. And that was devastating to me because my greatest fatal flaw is that I will seek your approval at the cost of my own, uh, my own happiness. And they both died. And as you know, Kyle, I'm the last Sanford. And when you look at that family tree and you realize there's not very many branches left on it, it really is a devastating thing. And I walked out of their home, which is the only stable home I'd ever known throughout my entire 35-year life. And it's just this empty place with two urns by the front door. And I walked out of that, that house and I locked it knowing I would never go back to a place that I knew that was familiar. Like It's like losing people and then losing home. Mm-hmm. And you go to the airport and you fly to a place that you've never been before, that you'll never go to again. And you drive out into the middle of fucking nowhere and you bury these two people in the ground. We buried them on a Sunday. It was just me and my dad there by ourselves. We buried them on a Sunday and I flew home to Vancouver on the Monday. And on the Tuesday, my aunt died. And I went right into having to prepare for giving the eulogy to this woman who was so extraordinarily larger than life. And I had a partner at that time and that partner just disappeared on me. I went to that funeral alone. I spent three nights in a hotel room alone, writing a eulogy, pretending that I was okay. And I was not okay. And I still to this day don't know why people did not notice that I was like genuinely not okay. Like I was not fine. And you just keep going because you don't know any other way that, but forward. And I just remember feeling this feeling like I had a partner who I had spent eight years with trying to build a fortitude of offense so that if I ever had to lean on it, it would hold. And it didn't hold at all. Then I was done. Then I was done that we were on the road to a breakup after that. And now I have the courage to meet someone else. And this person is not making it easy for me. He has a, a an ex that does not, it's just a lot of work and it's a lot of fighting and I don't like it. And, you know, he has a tendency to suck up all of the air in the room with his feelings. And I don't like that. And then, you know, the bottom falls out of mine. And I had the c- courage to try to rebuild. I had the courage after being so betrayed. I had the courage to try and rebuild a new fence. And then I leaned on it and it didn't hold. And I just, Kyle, Kyle. This is going to sound so callous, but I just want to ask this question that essentially you asked me a few weeks ago when I had a similar maybe breakdown on our, on our podcast. I, I, I understand feeling like you're in the same place, putting your faith in another person, wanting that fence to hold, 
But my question is, why aren't you enough? Why don't you put enough faith in yourself rather than trying to find that in another person? You know, I think that that's the big thing, right? But um, mm-hmm. who do you become if you shut out the entire world to needing help? Is there even actually mm-hmm. anybody out there? And I'm asking this not rhetorically, but is there actually even anybody out there who doesn't need somebody? Doesn't Whether it's a friend that comes to your rescue or a parent or a sibling or a, a coworker, like everybody needs somebody. And I just... Right. I, I think you can rely on yourself a whole lot. And believe me, after this experience, you know, then you become these pla- these painfully insulated people. And Kyle, we all have a friend like that. Usually their name is Kathy or Catherine or some variation of that. And, you know, they're very like self-sufficient almost to the point where then they can't let anybody in. And I think I also mm-hmm. have a fear of becoming that person, that person who's so guarded and and so independent that then they deny themselves any sort of joy of bringing people into their life because they're so not trusting. And I have been grappling with like what, like what the word is. And I think we're, we might be coming to the same conclusion, which is that I'm loyal to my friends. Even when my friends aren't loyal to me, I'm loyal to jobs, even when, you know, they can backstab the shit out of you. And Mm -hmm. I'm loyal to partners when I'm not entirely convinced that I'm enough for a partner to be loyal to me. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe, you know, when you have a job interview and they ask you, like, please tell us your greatest weakness. Maybe my answer needs to be, I'm loyal and I wish I wasn't. (laughs) If anybody has a job interview this week, please try it out and report back on how it goes. I mean, I know you're very raw here right now, but I mean, you always, it seems that this is a recurring thing that I've noticed over the, like the last 46 weeks, which is that it's always framed as like, we're working on loyalty. We're building, we're building this fence with each other. I wonder how different it would be if it was just there, if the fence was just already built. He even realizes he's a bit of a unicorn, but, uh. Well, I'm going to say friend of the podcast. You would probably say frenemy of the podcast, uh, Mr. David Young. Oh God, that guy. That guy. For those of you that don't, just wife. wait. For those of you that don't know, Kyle has has the audacity to have another podcast. It's called Kyle and Dave versus the Machine, and this is the only time I will give it a plug. But I want to tell you that Dave Yoon is his partner on that podcast, and it should be me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. I have well, a lot of time for Dave, well, but that should be me mm-hmm. anyway. So back on to our frenemy Dave, who has the audacity to have my other job. But but he mentions the fact that he has been with his wife. They've been together for 26 years, married for less. I don't remember how that all works out. And yes, I've had struggles and stuff like that. But it's like, he says straight up, it's like, we don't actually find the day-to-day all that hard. Like, we just help each other. Like, that's just their, that's just their thing. They just help each other. And this is why I hate Dave. the tough times. This is why I hate Dave. Honestly, this is why I hate Dave. (laughs) Dave's like, why are you struggling? Why is this hard? Yeah, fuck you, Dave. Honestly. Friend of the podcast. Here's, a, here's another thing, because I can't pass up a good opportunity to show people how much of a fucking nerd I am. This reminds me oh, no. of a no. f- pretty famous quote from a, a Mr. Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Simpsons. From Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. And in his wisdom, spoken by the actor Patrick Stewart, who states in one episode, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. 
That is not a weakness. That is life, I think, is what the next couple lines are. But it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. And that's the frustration of life. And that's what's so hard about it is that sometimes you don't do anything wrong and you still don't either get what you want or feel that you get what you need in response. Well, I'm not prepared to let myself off the hook that much because Mm -hmm. there must be something I'm doing wrong because I continue to change out these partners with probably a greater frequency than I would like. And yet the same Mm -hmm. problem persists that I seem to find myself in relationships that work swimmingly day to day, so long as I don't have any feelings and I never have a problem. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I'm like off the hook, but I am saying that when I stumble and I reach out for security, it's not there. It's not there. Mm -hmm. And that must make me an extraordinarily shitty fence builder. But then I continue to be loyal. And remember a few episodes ago, I told you when I got back from Italy about my friend Brett and how my friend Brett is like, I'm here to live my best life. And the people that will find me will be here for a long time or a short time, but that will be their decision. I should say equally psychotic, but yeah. And I will, I will live my best life. And he, I think, is successful in his life because he is not loyal. He doesn't stop running his own race because he's like, hey, is everything, is everybody okay? Is everybody still with me? He's like, people who can run can come. And if you can't keep up or you don't like the race or you don't want to be part of it, that's, it's been a pleasure to run with you while I've been here. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what his support network looks like because I have never once had a conversation with him where he's admitted to having any bad days like he's one of those he's like the matthew mcconaughey of the policy world he's just like unendingly happy about the state of his life i don't know who he leans on when he has a moment you know what i'm gonna text him and ask him who do you lean on when you have a moment of weakness you know what he's gonna say jen oh, i never have weakness uh, no That's exactly he'll, what he's gonna he'll say. say something more honest than that but i think it raises to me the imperative that you know i'll stop my race to be like hey is the person that i'm loyal to okay hey i really want to be running but i don't have to because I'm not okay, because I always believe the fallacy that if I'm the strength and the, and the, and the heavy and the, and the, and the source of strength, the the fence holder for the Mm -hmm. person that I'm currently dating, then when I need it, should I need it, the same will be there for me. Cause to me, that's how I equate loyalty. I'm there for you. You're there for me. And apparently I am an idiot. That's what we should call this episode. Apparently, comma, you're an idiot, period. No, I'm with stupid. That's what we'll call yeah, it. Perfect. Perfect. It just. I, I should say also that this could not be any further from the point. Uh, but when I was growing up on the farm, I hated building fences. It was the worst. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, I've repaired and built a few fences in my lifetime. And I can just say that I'm better at it metaphorically than I am physically. But maybe, maybe I'm just mm-hmm. bad at both, I guess. Kyle, I just have to ask you. Because I don't want this episode to be about like me and my breakdown. I just want to ask you, Kyle, in your own dating life and history, have you had examples of just loyalty failing you? Or is it just me? Because if well, it's just me, we need to get more wine. I am drinking some wine yeah, right now. I, uh, well, so this is the, the hard part about this is that. This, I think, has been causing me a lot of grief over the last few weeks. If people have been paying attention or have been keeping up with the latest episodes, you'll know that I've been going on this, like, grinder experiment where I was very forthright and just let people know, hey, I'm on here and I'm really just looking for good times to become more comfortable in my own sexuality, but also my actual ability at having sex. Like, that is really the only reason why I'm on this app 
right now. And I ended up in three different relationships at the same time. And that was awkward of me like plate spinning and juggling. And I think that is in part what was hampering me so much because I could never be in the moment with one person because I felt like I was cheating on all of them simultaneously. I was not being loyal to them, I guess, romantically in that space. Even though I was upfront, I was like, I, I'm going on multiple it dates. It still felt like I was not giving of myself. And it isn't. It's like, I am not the person who enjoys having multiple people at the same time. I'm like, a, I need to focus on one thing at the same time. And it's had like three people at once. I'm like, this is too much. I can't deal with this. So have you ever had an example in your dating history where you've had a partner that's needed to lean on you and you've been like, no, thank you. No, because I'm a schmuck. And so if anyone comes to me with a problem, I want to help them through it. And so I will sacrifice my own happiness in order to help another person. Is, uh, is this no matter how tangential the relationship happens to be? So then my question becomes like I'm making the same argument. Is this ultimately Kyle while we're why we're single? Are we single because we're too loyal? Well, I just want to just back up till two minutes ago where I don't think I am loyal. I think that's part of the problem is that I'm always kind of looking for the greener grass, so to speak, where I can never just be happy with what is in front of me, that I'm always looking for something else. I would define myself as a loyal person, but when it comes to relationships, I'm always constantly in my head whether or not this is the right choice that I've made and, and therefore I'm not completely honest with them, which kind of leads into the loyalty question that's interesting loyal to the person but not necessarily the relationship you are a serial yeah. killer yeah i am yeah, yeah totally so let me ask you this question is loyalty dead like is loyalty like the traditional definition of marriage is it just officially dead well if we're talking about the modern age of let's just call it online dating let's call it modern dating it's interesting you bring this up because i've actually been thinking about this quite a bit the last couple of weeks i think there is a difference maybe we'll get into an argument about this but i think there's a difference between short-term loyalty and long-term loyalty what so short-term loyalty do i think short-term loyalty is dead a thousand percent yes yes i do i do not think anymore we can assume that when we start a relationship that that person has our back um, no matter how much they say it. I think with the fullness of time and with examples being set and like commitments being upkept, then yes, I think a long-term loyalty actually does still exist with long-term relationships. I literally just look at some of my friends who are married. Some of them have kids. Some of them have long-term partners. Those are solid, strong relationships that those people are in some of them have even met online so I, this is not just like they met before online was a thing these people met online and have formed strong bonds but i think in the terms of like short term hey we're going on dates still no i, I don't i don't think you should assume loyalty of anyone okay maybe that makes me a pessimist i don't know no but your answer to that question is gonna walk you into a trap so bad by me you're gonna just next week it'll be welcome to somebody date jen and bertha or kyle and dave mm. But Dave might be back. Maybe, next week. maybe somebody date Jen in the Machine. Uh, <laughs> it's a great podcast. Yes, where the where a, a sentient machine gives better advice than Jen Sanford ever did. So, right. let me just ask you this question, which is a total. Well, no, no, wait, 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 wait. What do you think? Do you think loyalty is dead? Apparently, you do because you don't think you receive it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think it's dead, and I think I was the last person that was told. I think you guys all got together <laughs> and we're like, we're done with that, right? We're just changing. Don't tell Sanford. Don't tell her. And now I'm like, oh, no, I'm just, it's just me. It's just me doing that. Okay. Oh, that's great. But let me ask you this question, which is a total trap. And I apologize in advance for this, but you know, hashtag sorry, not sorry. If 
short-term loyalty doesn't exist because there just isn't enough time and institutional power. Mm. And long-term, you assert, assert that long-term loyalty is cultivatable and habitable and possible. I just want to ask, Kyle, what is it about me that I can't find it? I think that is a faulty question that you are setting me up for failure to answer, but uh, I will try, I'll try my best at this. As an outside observer, I don't think it's loyalty that's the problem. I think it's the men that are the problem. I think you are finding relationships that tick off a certain part of your personality. It's like, oh, this is fixable. I can make him be the person that I want him to be. And then you get mad when they don't conform and help you out when you get into something that you need help with. But that was not part of the deal, really, when the relationship started. You were there to help them. That's what they fed off of. They weren't asking for a reciprocal nature. So I think it is the actual personalities of the men that you find attractive, which is hard to break out of. That is the issue. Well, welcome to our final episode of Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. <laughs> no, that was a good yeah, answer. Yeah, this is maybe mean, apparently. Uh, no, it's a good answer. Uh, eight years ago, someone asked this question online. I found it. It said, is loyalty dead in modern day dating? Apparently, mm-hmm. we are one click away from the next mate. Do you agree with that? Do you think in, the, in, the modern, in modern day dating, loyalty is, is done? Or do you think it falls into this category of, yeah, short-term dating, which is online dating in those in those minutes is mm-hmm. not is not built on loyalty because you can just keep swiping left right center let's do this i want to just so that we're not uh, kind of talking about different things necessarily i want to get a dictionary definition oh god of what loyalty and is and here's where i think i thought we our nerd our nerdism peaked at patrick stewart mm-hmm. but apparently we're back here the definition that comes up when i type this into google says a strong feeling of support or allegiance, right? Like you feel that you need to support this person or you're aligned with them, you know, morally, spiritually, whatever it happens to be. I don't... <laughs> yeah, like my definition... When we're dating someone... My definition of loyalty is really, like if you do a Venn diagram, you have honesty, mm-hmm. trust, and commitment. And that's all three of those things, all three of those ingredients intersect to create loyalty. Like that's to me how I'm defining loyalty today. The idea that it's always going to be honest that you can be your most vulnerable self and your most authentic self. The trust piece that that person's going to assume positive intention, see the, the best and the worst in you, sure. listen to you, hear you, trust you, believe what you say to be facts, honor your feelings as real. And then the final anchor piece of that is the commitment, the understanding that you are together good and bad. Like to me, that's how I'm defining it. So, so to answer the question, to be flip about it, Yeah, it's dead in modern dating. However, you've probably heard the joke about what comedy is, which is tragedy plus time. Like that is what comedy is. And I think loyalty is essentially trauma plus time, right? It's that shared shared trauma you have with one another. Say that again. I'm I'm being a little jokester, a little stinker here. I said that loyalty is trauma plus time. It is you as a couple going through different things together and sharing that with one another. I do not think it is even reasonable to think that somebody I have swiped right on should offer me abject loyalty from day one. I think that's ridiculous. I don't know that person yet. I've never met them yet, necessarily, if we're just texting back and forth. So to require loyalty from first swipe is folly. I just do not see where anyone would think that that is going to be the case. So aside from... Which is, again, what brings it into time. You have to form 
a relationship, be going to a common goal, go through different hardships with one another. That is what builds loyalty to one another. So you're saying that loyalty is earned. It's earned. It's yeah, not, it's not given. Some, and you shouldn't. This is the toxicity, I think, of loyalty to like a political party or to a an actor or whatever it happens to be where it's like anything you do is great and i i'm always going to be loyal to you it doesn't matter what you do i'm always going to be loyal to uh, what you say do prescribe that is where things get toxic it's like no like if they don't if they have not given something back to you or you don't feel that's reciprocated they don't deserve your loyalty anymore at that point so it's it's that time piece that i think we're getting messed up with so do you think loyalty is like a bank? You put in goodwill deposits and loyalty is earned. Yeah. And then you make withdrawals and loyalty is broken. Do you disagree? And that's the difference. That's the difference between us. Because when I get into a relationship, I'm like, here's my package of, of loyalty. What you choose to do with it is up to you. But I am loyal from the, from the get-go. Like, I'm loyal. Like, if I start a new job and five other people come and are like, hey, there's, here's a better job with more pay and more money and more benefits and more everything. I'm like, no, I just started this job. I'm loyal to this job. I'm loyal to this job until it cools or the project scope changes or whatever's happening. And that is how stupid I am. Well, yeah. That is how stupid I am. It's ridiculous. Not that I think that, that example specifically, I just want to unpack a little bit because a job is, I think, a slightly different than when you're in a romantic relationship. With I don't want to conflate the two. That being said, if Andrew Garfield did come up to me and be like, let's throw down and be like, bye, everyone, and I'd probably go off with him. But yeah, I, I really do think that loyalty is, is something to do with time. I think that people have to earn my loyalty. I think this is where we got off on the wrong foot in the early days of this podcast, where you always made fun of me for taking so long for me to call this a friendship. <laughs> That's right. It's because I was like, I don't know, she might do something that... Uh, really irks me and I don't want to be sitting with the bag, so to speak. And that's exactly insane because when I met you, I was like, I like him. I trust him implicitly. Here's all my loyalty. But I didn't I'll do anything to, to earn your loyalty, Jan. I didn't do anything. I know. I just give it to you because I'm like, I have no reason not to trust this person or not to not to think this guy's not committed to the project. So I have no faults wow. that would cause me to hold back my loyalty. Therefore, my loyalty is totally given. If I meet someone once... Then I have a bridge to sell you. Oh, God. This is my problem. How did every single person around me learn that loyalty is earned? And I learned... That loyalty is just implied when you when you meet someone or when you get into something, you just are like, okay, here's my pocket of loyalty. Where's yours? Let's start building. Like to me, loyalty is like the materials that you need to build your relationship fence. It's so weird. I think I was hurt so many times as an early kid that I just could not give of myself that quickly. So I, it's always taking me a long time to give my loyalty off to somebody else. When I give it, I am extremely loyal to that person. Like it is iron clad. Jen, you were like one of a handful of people, a handful of people that if you were to call me in the middle of the night and it was like, you need to get over to my house, I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to Jen's house now. That does not... <laughs> carry over to a lot of people in my life. Um, but it takes me a long time. I would I would go over if it was a wrong number. And he's like, I don't know if Jesus you don't know Christ. me, but I called this number and I'm in apparel. Here's my address. I'd be like, I'm on my way. Yeah. And you, what, you're in Edmonton? I, I guess. I guess I'll come. I'm on my way. Yeah. Okay, keep yourself calm. I don't sure if I can apply it to childhood trauma because I have my own thing. But okay, so if trust is, or if loyalty is earned, which mm -hmm. welcome. I was today years old and I figured this out now. If loyalty is earned, 
who deserves your loyalty? What are the benchmarks to get your loyalty? My only real experience with this, of course, was like my friends, immediate family, some of my partners in my life. I truly think that uh, any one of those I just said could actually be tossed out of my loyalty at a moment's notice. If I ever felt... What? If I ever felt that my loyalty to them came with conditions. Oh. But Meaning, isn't everything and, and this is quid pro quo? Yeah, I mean, this is... I know we try not to be like super political on this show, Jen, but uh, you might know that there's some issues going on in the United States of America currently. I like that though, just the way you phrase that, we could air this podcast at, at any, any time. time. Specifically what I'm talking about, like just out coming from pride and stuff like this, you hear this from uh, like teenagers who come out to their parents or sometimes certain churches who have LGBTQ members and stuff like that. It's like, we love you, but you have to do mm. this, or you're not able to do this in our presence, or you can't express yourself in this way. And at that point, it's like, well, then this this is not a reciprocal relationship anymore. This is you dictating. There's conditions. It's not unconditional. Yeah, there's conditions that, that come into play here. I think the people who deserve my loyalty are the people who don't ask for it, who have shown through how they act and how they behave. There's like, hey, they're, in my opinion, moral people, good people who are striving to make the world a better place. Yes, I will be loyal to this person or entity or group or whatever it happens to be. But I also have to keep an eye that at a moment's notice, as hard as it would be, at a moment's notice, I have to flip that and be like, no, you've overstepped your bounds or you're asking me to put conditions on, on this relationship. Okay, but whoa, whoa. Name a relationship that actually has the rawest form of unconditional love. Because if you really, really think about it, like let's be adults here. Every relationship at the end of the day is conditional. You can say to a friend, I love you unconditionally. And then they post those bachelorette photos of you on Facebook. Mm. And you're like, okay, I don't think we're friends anymore. And you reveal that the friendship wasn't unconditional because things were broken. So I think, are you talking solely about people who put, you know, hampers on you being your most authentic self? Or are you talking about people who put conditions around loving you? Because I argue that everybody has conditional love. I can't think of a single relationship other than the one I have with my dog. But ultimately, if my dog ate my face off, I probably wouldn't want to be super good, great friends with my dog either again. But do you know what I'm saying? Like every relationship at some point has conditionality to it. It just, it just does. We're, I guess, friends. But if you came on this podcast and was like, said a bunch of like anti-Semitic shit, I'd be like, uh, uh, uh and this is, uh. No, I think we're saying the same thing to a degree. I am loyal to a person. Maybe that is conditional then. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm trying to say here is that my loyalty is conditional in that insofar as. They have to let you be your most authentic self. They do need to let me be my most authentic self, but also I cannot give them unchecked loyalty if they, that's a great example. If they start to be like racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever it happens to be, it's like, hey, like, dude, like what is, what is going on? <laughs> and they're not self reflexive enough to be like oh yeah you know i said something really dumb and i didn't realize that or i, I think something. or believe something really dumb whether they said it or not but I, I, I and i think that's where people get into trouble like this is probably again to get political why i've never been able to like ever become a super religious person because it always felt there was conditions being placed on like well like you're, you're accepted here but you have to do this 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 and this i'm like oh, okay well i don't know if that's exactly or be this and this or keep this quiet or, or keep this quiet this or whatever or, it happens yeah. to be i think this is the the issue with with unbridled loyalty to anything. Yeah. So like, I think I'm pretty clever 
in, you know, my own politics, in my own, well, obviously I have another podcast about mm -hmm. me sort of, you know, griping on my own political affiliation, but I think in politics and yeah, in a lot of places, I think I, I have really good checks and balances on my loyalty, but I think if we're talking about relationships, which we are here on this podcast tonight, on this, on this very balmy Friday night, I would say I will continue to be loyal even when it does not serve me. I think, oh my God, Kyle, I'm the Oprah of loyalty. You get loyalty. You get yeah. some loyalty. You all get loyalty. Look under your chair. There's a cranberry scented loyalty. This is not good, Kyle. That's what I was going to get you for your birthday. So I guess you got that already. <laughs> I also want to, I just want to be very clear. I know, I know this can like edge into what people perceive to be like, quote unquote, cancel culture. I am not trying to conflate like, oh, you said something dumb and therefore now I don't like you and you're, I'm, you're dropped out of my life. I think it's more it's bigger than that if it's like if you start like you know marching in rallies or start posting like really offensive stuff with your full throat attached to it that's when things have to be start to be reevaluated and stuff not like oh i said a dumb thing that i didn't mean and it could because it came off weird or something like that or or was taken out of context or whatever it happens to be you're not trivial yes. it's got to be yeah i think that's what i'm trying yeah. to say it's not trivial that i'm just throwing people under the bus yeah i think that's you know most people, but I get that in this woke time, we have to be more clear. But what does loyalty look like to you? If, so we've been using this fence analogy. If someone leans on, if you're, if you're in a relationship with a partner, he, she, they lean on the fence and you're like, I'm going to hold the other side of, I'm going to hold the other side of this. I'm going to hold this strong. What does loyalty, loyalty look like to you, Kyle? I don't, I don't know how to answer this because I don't have really any examples of like long-term loyalty in any relationship context. I don't know. Like it's honestly, it's just like that reliance that if they say they need help or if they come to me with an issue that I'm like there for them, I'm here there to lend an ear or they need help moving or whatever it happens to be like, they've built up enough credentials in helping me that I'm available to reciprocate. I just don't need to ask them any questions. I like, if you're asking me how loyalty looks like for me as I enact it, it's really just like, Oh, you're going through something. How can I help? Do you need something to listen to, to bitch with? Do you need me to actually help with something? Are there any kneecaps I need to bust? On the reverse side of that, like what does loyalty look like to me as far as like the other person is concerned, like being loyal to me? I, I think it's, it comes with honesty and communication. I want bad news to be told to me because I can't deal with it if I don't know that it's there. You know, I think we're on two different scales, Kyle, and I think I'm trying to get over to your side of the scale. Anytime that you have a significant amount of loyalty, there is undoubtedly like, you know, what's the every action has an equal to opposite right, reaction. Right. I think every action thing. that you have on loyalty, there's an equal to opposite reaction on self-sacrifice. See, sorry, I have to I have to interrupt you, Jen. You I let you get away with this too many times on this podcast. Which is okay. you? Oh yeah, I think if there's ever a time to hold me to account, it would be this time during this episode at this particular juncture on this topic. So, I'm, yeah, I'm to, yeah, Marshall, go ahead, give me all you got. I'm trying to build loyalty, Jen. I am being truthful to you. You're being <laughs> real, Jen. I think you're trying to frame loyalty as like a point system. It's like you're loyal to me, therefore now I give you one loyalty point back in return. And I think that's just a terrible way to look at it. 
It's not. It's a, like quid, it's not it's an quid equal pro thing. quo, man. It's not an equal it's thing. It's a quid pro quo. You know, I have to just say that in the in dating Jesus, one of the things that is driving him crazy is this imbalance of not imbalance of like money. Mm. And he, for my birthday, bought me an Apple Watch. Sure. And his reason for buying me an Apple Watch is the fact that I've been having like some a little bit of trouble with my my heart and my heart races and to the point where I don't feel well. And my Apple Watch has really been great to be like, hey, stand up, move around. You're fine. Take mm-hmm. a deep breath. Your blood oxygen level is fine. So it's been a tool to help me to be successful. But I was like, what is the cost of the Apple Watch? Mm-hmm. How many things have I purchased for the home? How can we keep it even? And then if he like gets me another gift, I'm like, no, 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 because I can't pay this gift back in the time, in the quarter system, because I like to come out of every quarter with there being true equality in their relationship about like what was gifted versus what was gifted back. And he legitimately looked at me when I said this and he's like, you like to have like a quarterly write-off? Are you keeping track? And I had to like be all smooth and be like, well, no, I can just have a rough general sense of spreadsheet to to the scent but yes yeah, still like just rough <laughs> just, just rough <laughs> but is there anything wrong with that is there yes. anything wrong with that i mean everything is no, wrong with no, that no there's nothing wrong with that you have to remember i came out of my last relationship in spite of the fact that i ran into someone who didn't know that we had broken up like the one person that isn't you know with it and she's like she's like hey how are you and what's his name and i was like oh we we broke up and she's like oh what happened i was like oh we we just didn't sleep well together. I sleep on my left side and he sleeps with other women. <laughs> and so she, she kind of just was like, what? And so that was that experience. But when we broke up, he had a bill for me. He was like, this is the overages mm-hmm. of how generous I was to you. And I was like, what yeah, the hell? Is, is a, I didn't keep track. There's a psycho move. Um, like it's completely, utterly sociopathic you know what i will argue that for as much as it's uncomfortable there's people out there that will tell you that they either came out of a relationship or a relationship fell apart and they were like wait a minute there's a financial inequity here sure but like there's a different there's a complete difference between i am getting this for you because i want to get it for you versus like i'm getting this for you and i expect something in return I need you to give me the exact same amount back I'm in just, return. I, I just think that's weird. That's a weird I way to run a relationship. I don't think that's my goal. I don't think that's my goal. I think my goal is to just kind of make it equal. Like if he takes me out for a nice dinner, I don't think there's anything wrong with me being like the next nice dinner is on me. Like there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't anything wrong with that. But I think that there is something wrong in March to be like, well, I got you two dinners and you got me one and so i think you need to get me another dinner before the month is out no, here no, no no i never i never this is the thing is like with, with with this relationship i think i'm keeping track because i know i'm always in the deficit i would never oh my god i would never say to him like "Ooh, you're a little bit behind this quarter mm-hmm. um could you you know buy me some stuff i would never 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 but i think in my own mind i just find it healthy to know like okay i bought these things and he bought these things and then if i'm shopping i'm like you know what i could pick up that thing for him or i could do that because you know i'm behind <laughs> i'm behind no i think you should get things if you want to get things i and just never just never keep track definitely there can be no quality if there's only one person in the relationship getting something for the other person yes there is an issue with that. I definitely agree. But keeping a spreadsheet uh, on your phone <laughs> at the ready to see like what the actual number value is, I, I think that's that's weird. 
I just, okay, fine. You know, we're going to get people that are going to write in. We know we're on a total tangent, but I get what you're saying to come all the way back that maybe looking at loyalty through a point system isn't the right way to go. But as I expressed earlier, I'm not looking at loyalty through a point system because I just freely just give that shit away. Mm. It's like, whose lines anyway? The points don't matter to you. The points just don't matter. They just freely give that shit away. But with with giving your loyalty, there is sometimes a residual self-sacrifice. Like, I wanted to be loyal to you as you had this goal or this dream. And so I sacrificed my goals and dreams to make that, you know, to make that happen. You know, being with you meant not taking that dream job. Now I'm a person who will never know what it meant to to have that dream job, to pursue that thing, to do that thing you know, you didn't want kids. So I didn't have kids. Now I live a life where I didn't achieve that one dream that I thought I would. You cannot tell me, you people listening, please write in. You cannot tell me that in a relationship, in the trenches, in the trenches, when you're muddy and tired and exhausted and you haven't been home in a year, you cannot tell me that your loyalty did not come at some sense of sacrifice. So the question is, Kyle, how do you manage it? How do you manage the self-sacrifice? I would probably push back a little bit with some of those examples you gave, not the not the kid one, because that sounds like they were very adamant about that. But for like job opportunities, are they saying not to take this job? Like that also seems weird that you're in a relationship that someone would not want the best for you. Well, but I understand that there's, there's things that go into that decision as well. I'm just saying, did you make that choice yourself or did, was there an actual discussion that happened? And that was the solution that came from it. Well, let me just be honest. Like Jesus is in a current agreement because he has two little kids that he will not live in a greater than a 30 kilometer radius from the, the, the home that his ex-wife chooses to live in. So much like an ankle bracelet system, when you go to prison and get out, you're, you're bound between 30 kilometers. I went to university for nine years to be the best at what I do. If I got offered a job in New York, How does that 30 kilometer radius going to work? So I am inherently deciding, am I loyal to this person who loves me or am I loyal to my career and how far it can take me? People are facing this challenge all day, everywhere. People who are like, listen, I was raised in a homestead in Esterhazy, Saskatchewan. This is where my family is. This is where we're going to live. People who lived other places who had a partner all of a sudden say, my mother, my father, my brother is sick. We're moving home. We're moving home to take care of them. And then when that parent dies, they're like, now that other parent's moving in and never moving out. And so inherently, when we are loyal in a relationship, I mean, this is the real shit that we're all dealing with is that there's... Think of the people who just don't even have the luxury of someone dying. Think of the people who are like, my mother-in-law is going to be hell. She hates you. And it is her prerogative to be on dateline with you. And you're like, yes, but I'm loyal to you. So I'm going to put up with this unending season of shit with your mother-in-law, with your mother, my mother-in-law. This is the real things that people are dealing with. These real things where they're like, I love this person. And therefore, I am loyal to this person. Therefore, I am going to self-sacrifice some of the things that are important to me to be with that person. And my question is, how the hell are we all managing it? I just want to be glib enough to be like, oh, it's so easy. Like, it's it's not. Like, there's these really tough decisions or really tough, like, um, situations that you can get in, realities that you find yourself being a part of. Was like, I didn't really sign up to be 
in this relationship with the mother-in-law or the ex or whatever it happens to be because I love this person, there are sacrifices that need to be made. I will guarantee you, not to cut you off here, Kyle, but I will guarantee you that 99% of people who are in a relationship right now, right now at the time that our listeners are listening to this podcast, 99% of the people who are in a relationship have uttered the words either screaming or out loud or under their breath, they have uttered these words. Well, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I guarantee it. It's like a universal truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, you didn't roll your eyes at me here, Jen. But honestly, what this reminds me of is that earlier in the week, I was listening to uh, my music from Unidentified Music Player because they don't pay us to advertise them on this podcast. <laughs> That's true, yes. And uh, there's this song that, that popped on. It's from this Canadian band called Stars. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. But anyways, Canadian band, Stars. And it's there's a song called Hold On When You Get Love and Let Go When You Give It, which is basically the chorus, too. Like, that is really the refrain that they sing inside the chorus. Okay. And it was interesting that it came up here this week because I've also now been, like, obsessed with that song again as it was reintroduced to me. I'm thinking about, like, the relationship that I find myself kind of starting here right now and being, like, nervous about coming into it. And understanding that it, with any relationship, there comes with like sacrifices and unknown things that are going to happen and like things I did not sign up for. But at the end of the day, I think the most important thing when you are in those trenches, and I know this is such a Pollyanna thing to be saying out loud, but is what that chorus says. It's like if you're receiving love, then you hold on to it. You take that, you receive that, and you just let it go. <laughs> if you're giving love, you're letting it go. And yes, there might be all these other things that are going on, but that, that is your reality. So great. I have to, I have to endure this other shitty stuff that's there, but it's worth it because I'm in this relationship with this person. And if it's not, then you get out. Two things. It's unrealistic to expect that every day in a relationship that you can be giving and receiving love at the same simultaneous rate. Sometimes we go through things and we can't, we can't be anything other than just people trying to survive the day. I used earlier my example of grief. People going through grief mm -hmm. are shitty partners because they're basically just trying to get up in the morning and function. The other side of that is that I think your whole course line implies that loyalty is not necessarily needed. Potentially, but I, I don't know. I, I think my personality just revolves around this. In that example, if I was with a partner who was going through deep grief, grandparents, parents, brother, sister, whomever, has died and they're in deep, deep grief, then at least in the short term, my feelings don't matter. They are the ones that I have to be there to support because they are going through something so deeply tragic at this point. Yes, it's hard to get up. Yes, I have my own business bullshit that I have to deal with. Yes, I have my own little things. But quite frankly, this person that matters so much to them in their life who has just passed away is probably a little bit more important than what I'm going through right now. And so I am there to support them through that through that hardship. Yeah. We got to do an episode on this because I find that the one of the things that I hear about all the time is that I faced grief alone. Like I, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of relationships will end over how people felt supported by a partner or a friend when they went through a period of challenge. I know like I have a friend Kim and I remember when her grandma died, I was just like, like, oh my God, what can I do? How can I support you? I remember surprising her and taking her for a massage at this gorgeous massage place and just being like, let's just be in grief and, you know, have somebody be gentle with you and your soul. And I remember when my 
grandparents died, I was like, no, just not, just no. And then it became very difficult to maintain that friendship because I was just like, oh my God, I was not okay. You'd known me for a long time. You knew I was not okay. And I, I couldn't maintain the friendship after that because I was just like, I was broken. I was screaming in silence. And, and if anybody was going to hear it, it was going to be you. And you just weren't there. And then you just become, you know, less of a trusting person, but obviously still loyal. Let me ask you this question, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to get super meta here. So hang in there with me. One of my favorite communication theories is by a theorist named Kenneth Burke, who I quote all the time in my professional work. Kenneth Burke has this, this theory called the theory of dramatism, which basically means that we can't help it as a human species, but to get ourselves in a hierarchy, to get ourselves in order, whether we're in small groups sure. or whether we're in teams or whether we're in families, we all have to get into a hierarchy and an order and we fight for our advantages and we look consciously for inherent like advantages, like weakness and flaws in the character or in the environment that allow us to have an advantage. And then we try to create what my Harvard professor would call leverage points, which I guess to the modern ear would be leverage points. And I see this occur all the time, but we never really talk about it in relationships that in a relationship ecosystem, I think that there's an opportunity, don't you think, to take advantage of loyalty. Like you're loyal to me and that's an advantage to me. I can use that. I can use that. That's a, that's a leverage tool for me. Do you think that, or am I just so jaded at this point that we got to uncork that bottle of wine right over there? Well, I think two things can be true at the same time. Yes, I think you're jaded and I think that you might be putting a little bit too much weight into that while simultaneously believing that, yes, absolutely. I, I've done this myself, been able to like leverage loyalty from a person to kind of like get what I want is what I was going to say, but that sounds more (laughs) gross than what I really mean it to be. But you know, you can use people's trusting natures. You can utilize people's feelings about you to suddenly get what you actually want. Doing that too many times starts to make you a terrible person. But yeah, like it happens for sure. I mean, if you've, (laughs) who hasn't had a parent in their life that has basically been like, oh, you know what? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you. Oh, like, that's yes. so totally manipulating yes, you. A into parent. Like, How about a yeah. partner? Yeah. Here's my question because I think we're, it feels like you've been asking me like the same question over and over and over again here. I feel the same way. Yeah. But like, I guess to flip this on its head slightly, when do you want someone to like either stop being loyal to you or when have you crossed the line when you believe that you have done something? that uh, shouldn't require loyalty, like just to go the opposite way. Like you've been talking a lot about how you're so unchecked loyal to other people, but are there situations where the other person should not be loyal to you? Is there a time? Can you think of a time where you don't, you don't ask for loyalty from another person? No, because I'm clearly on the wrong side of this thing where I'm thinking like, I would like people to be loyal to me. I see loyalty as being a type of love, a type of expression of love. I love you, therefore I'm, I'm loyal. I'm actually terrified of what it means to join this magic society ecosystem that was already flourishing and forgot to include me of we don't inherently, we don't, we're not inherently loyal. We're not inherently loyal. Mm-hmm. And I just don't even know what the fabric of that looks like. I, I think that if I lie, cheat or steal, you have a right not to be loyal to me. 
But I think you always assume that loyalty is a starting place because, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind person and a good person and I care deeply. And my goal is always to do good and not harm. Or it was, mm -hmm. it was, now I just want to do a lot of harm. Now I'm just mad because I can't believe that I was loyal for 39 years and it means it earns me nothing. I have earned nothing by being loyal. I think that that's the hardest part of this conversation, Kyle, is that- I think we're so totally opposed on this. This is so fascinating because I think we're literally could not be further away from each other when it comes to loyalty. Because you're like, oh, I just give my loyalty up and like, I'm just loyal to that, to that person. You just said how you just give up your loyalty way too fast. Like for me, loyalty isn't something that I expect. It's something that's earned uh, to, to go further and to go back to the song that I referenced. Loyalty is like love. I, or I think much more poignantly, it's like the only way to deal with it is to give it up and you give it up without ever expecting it in return. That doesn't mean you allow people to walk all over you. If you're not getting what you need, then you should move on. But you give it without conditions, without expecting it to ever come back. And that's probably why I'm so lonely. You know, when I've been reflecting on this issue of loyalty, like, you know, I was loyal to a job even when it was incredibly hard and punishing. And one day it wasn't even safe. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, well, I'm loyal. I'm loyal because they're loyal to me, right? Like they've got my back. I know they've got my back. They tell me every day they've got my back. And then they were just like, oh, fuck you. And you're like, oh, excuse me, what, what? Like, what I thought we were being yeah. loyal. You know, you're in a relationship and you're like, oh, this is, there's loyalty here. Nope, just kidding. Just, just forget it. And then I'm like, okay, well, like, am I on the wrong side of this loyalty? And then I thought of you. And I can tell you, I was, it was, I was laying in bed and I just shot up and I was like, am I going to wake up one morning and Kyle's going to be like, fuck you and this podcast? Like, I have to just say, like, it's shaking the foundation of everything. <laughs> and then I feel like I'm in a game of house of cards because I'm like, well, then I have to get out before he gets out because now I've equated, I've equated loyalty with rejection. And now I'm like, oh God, mm -hmm. I'm like, Jessica's down the well again. Yeah, I, I think it all comes back to this weird point system that you have in your head. I think if we were on the same side, that there would be a reason to explain why we were on the same side. If loyalty, and maybe I'm just asking this so I have a sense of how messed up I'm going to be next week. If loyalty is met with rejection, how hard is the recovery from that, do you think? Well, it's, a, it's hard, right? I think this can happen anywhere. If you have given of yourself, your soul, your, your life to either a person, again, an organization, and you feel like, well, here's your watch for time served and bye. It can feel like yeah. it's like, oh, this didn't, this doesn't feel good inside of me. I have to tell you, I have been confronted by this this week, again, on the opposite side of this, and it kind of felt awful. You remember, you remember Sweetums? Yes. The second bear in your Goldilocks story who was, came on too hot wanted you to meet his mother. So obviously it had to end. That's mm -hmm. just the rules. That's right. What happened? So literally today, he texted me out of the blue after I've ended it, you know, whatever that was a week and a half ago or however long that's been. Uh-huh. He was like, how are you? That's, that's, his, that's his text. I was like, uh, good. How are you? Because I told him, like, I, I, I'm not opposed to like staying friends and stuff like that. I just don't think we're compatible together. Uh -huh. He responds with three messages all in a row. He says, not bad. His second one was, it was not easy for me to not think about you, actually. Ha ha. And his third one was an emoji of him, like, sweating. And I respond, like, 
Oh, really? Why? What's going on? And then he responded, never mind. And I have not responded back to him because like, I don't know if I really want to get into this conversation. This feels very awkward, but I can tell that he feels betrayed in a way because I rejected by you because I was rejecting. I rejected him. He had put all his eggs in my basket of him. Like we're going to meet my mother. We're going to go on these trips this summer. We're going to travel together etc etc and i was like no thank you i am i am giving you your loyalty i am not loyal that's what i'm basically said to him and i can tell that he's going through a rough time and i'm probably the worst person to try and comfort him in that moment oh boy yes well you can't be comforted by someone who has freshly rejected you that's against the laws of nature right oh boy more to come on that hey kyle let's go to the fishbowl let's do it let me oh it is missing so Let's wrap this episode up then. (laughs) Okay. Normally we answer questions on this podcast. So if you want to uh, jump in and ask a question, you can go to our website, which is somebody date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen with two N's dot com. And we're also somebody date on either Twitter, TikTok or Instagram. And you can hit us up over there. Yeah, well, this happens, you guys. Sometimes you tune in for us giving unqualified relationship advice and sometimes you step right into an existential crisis. That's really the roulette of this of this podcast. Thank you for joining us on this Friday. Yeah, once, at least out of every seven podcasts, there will be an existential crisis. And that's a guarantee. Right. That is a Jen and Kyle guarantee. Absolutely. No other podcast offers you these just total wingnut episodes where we're just like, I am not okay, but don't say fine if you're not fine, just to wrap all the way around. Thank you for joining us on this Friday evening. Stay safe out there. Stay well out there. Keep calm. Carry on. We'll see you next week. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.